Welcome to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where magic meets mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a witch and licensed psychotherapist. I'm Callie Little, a sex educator and emotional support witch, and we're the coven in your pocket. Hello and happy Yule, Amber. Merry Yuletide. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I know. What is the correct Yule wish? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, based on the history, it could be have a bloody Yuletide. It could be. (laughs) It could be that. I mean, I I actually don't know. (laughs) May your sacrifices bleed profusely. May your boars be full of blood. (laughs) That could be. Oh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So we're, uh, we're talking about the Sabbath of Yule today. Yeah. Uh, Christmas, the artist formerly known as Yule. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I mean, Christmas, I don't know her. I, I fuck with Yule for sure, which is a, well, it's a neo-pagan or Wiccan uh, Sabbat. It is the beginning of the Wheel of the Year, which we mentioned in our Samhain episode as the end of the Wheel of the Year. When I was reflecting on this, I realized that if Samhain is the end of the Wheel and Yule is the beginning of the Wheel, then there's a void space between them. Ooh. So, right? Isn't that cool? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That it's just this complete time of void that the wheel of the year includes nothingness. And that seems very potent and important to me. I like that hearing that it's the end of a cycle and the beginning of a cycle makes me think of both an Ouroboros and the tarot, like the major arcana, because it means that Yule is also the fool and they mm-hmm. kind of rhyme. <laughs> And that void space in an Ouroboros, it would be like the tail within the mouth, you know? Yeah, he eat his own ass, you know? It's like, (laughs) there's a shirt that just said, he eat his own ass, and it has an Ouroboros on it. I I think you have to have that shirt. (laughs) Somebody buy me that, and um, I'll be grateful. Thank you. Uh, what, uh, what's on your wish list this Yule? Alone time. Mm-hmm. Gemstones. Always. And pretty rocks. Always pretty rocks. Um, I'm actually really easy to shop for. I think any, any holiday or any occasion to give me a gift, I just send the people I love to the gargoyle, gargoyle, to the gargoyle <laughs> statuary in uh, the mm-hmm. U district in Seattle. Just go to any witch store and buy something that looks cool and I'll be happy. That's usually my go-to wish list. How about you? Mm, I do think you're easy to shop for. Um, <laughs> and also I am I am especially skilled at gift giving. It is a quality of mine, but you're, you, you're easy to shop for. You like witchy shit. Um, you're a raccoon. <clears throat> what do I want? Um... Well, we in the United States, we did get the first rounds of vaccines to people yesterday. Um, That, of course, has been a huge desire. I'm really excited about that. But more materialistically, um, I think that I might buy myself 
a new pair of boots because I love my blendstones, but they are beat the fuck up after going all over the world with me last year. And I I want like a nice pair of gay boots (laughs) and I'm going to get myself some lingerie because I'm so cute and this body deserves lace on it. Oh, that sounds lovely. That sounds like such a nice way to celebrate Yule by being more sexy. (laughs) Yeah, it's cold outside. So let me put on as little clothing as possible. Exactly. So in summation, alone time, vaccines, rocks, and lingerie between the two of us. Literally all of those things. I mean, yes, please also gemstones and anything shiny. Yes, I am a crow. You are a raccoon. Together, we make trash castles. We do. Remember when we met that one raccoon? (laughs) That we named David Bowie? (laughs) He got so close, I gave him dog food. He had very cute hands. (laughs) (sighs) So you did a ton of research about Yule, and this week you're steering this boat. You're going to be telling me all about all these things I don't know. And I'm going to be talking out of my ass. (laughs) But you have such a great ass. So when, you know. I do. When in Rome, talk out your ass. All right. So the first thing that I have (laughs) is is I have this reading from The Spiral Dance as a little little mood-setting introductory to take you into the history. Beautiful. The history is just, yeah, very interesting to me. The altar is decorated with mistletoe and holly. A fire of oak roots is laid, but not lit. The room is dark. A circle gathers. All meditate together, linking breaths. And then the priestess says, This is the night of solstice, the longest night of the year. Now darkness triumphs and yet gives way and changes into light. The breath of nature is suspended. All waits within the cauldron. The dark king is transformed into the infant light. We watch for the coming of dawn when the great mother again gives birth to the divine child son who is brighter of hope and the promise of summer. This is the stillness behind motion when time itself stops. The center is also the circumference of all. We are awake in the night. We turn the wheel to bring the light. That's so beautiful. Thank you. I liked I liked the mood setting because I feel like this is a very moody holiday. I agree. I think that everyone being stuck inside this whole year, we're all a lot more sensitive to how dark it's been every day. And mm-hmm. I I literally am counting down the days to when it begins to be lighter every day. Yeah. It's just a couple days away. It's coming. The darkest night is generally December 21st and that is the first day of Yule and then Yule goes for another 10 days after that sometimes because calendars aren't perfect it's the 22nd or 23rd but broadly the 21st of December is the shortest day of the year and the darkest night and that is the the root system of Yule which then became Christmas other faiths were faiths (laughs) other faiths were woven into it so I agree that this year particularly, um, at least in my life, I feel more connected to the roots of Yule because 
it was born because people were fucking miserable. Just miserable. <laughs> Just misery. I mean, that is why uh-huh. um, why this came. So the, the Germanic people, and when I say Germanic, that means Indo-European folks. That includes English, German, Dutch, Scandinavian. Okay, so like Nordic uh, populations. This is a very ancient holiday. And as I said, it began because people were in just, you know, horrible circumstances in the wintertime. Winter is extremely dark in that part of the world. It is very, very cold. You know, the harvest is over. There is death. There is famine. There is, uh, I'm assuming, just tons of depression. (laughs) You know, people are Mm -hmm. not well. So the darkest night of the year became a time when families and communities could gather and could bring light into their lives as a way to survive, as a way to celebrate. So in my notes, it just says the misery of winter <laughs> as, <laughs> as, you know, um, folks needed to find hope. So generally mm-hmm. on the darkest night of the year, at the beginning of Yule, they'd have a big feast, big fire. Um, they'd put a big tree up in the, in like the center of the village, not necessarily in the house and dance around mm-hmm. it. I'll get more on Christmas trees later because it's not completely pagan. It's an amalgamation of different faiths, which is pretty much the thesis of Christmas is it's just a lot of interwoven Mm -hmm. faiths, but primarily pagan. So two current traditions we have related to Christmas and New Year's come from Yuletide, from the old pagan faith. So when they were having this feast, it was traditional to hunt and sacrifice a boar and then eat the boar. Before they ate the boar, the Christmas ham, so there's one tradition, before they Mm -hmm. ate it, they would lay hands on the sacrifice and they would um, take vows, which then became oaths for the year to come. And that's how we get New Year's uh, Hmm. uh, resolutions and traditions. So when the boar was alive, they would promise it? things no i think they slaughtered it laid hands on it made a vow and ate it i think that was the uh the pattern i see so like praying over your meal Mm -hmm. yeah got it yeah i i mean i do kind of like the idea of making promises to an animal before you kill it to eat it that like you know what i'm gonna eat you but that's gonna fuel me to be stronger this year not i mean i say that as a vegan (laughs) but I just, I like the idea of being like, you're not dying for nothing. (laughs) I mean, who knows like the order. I assume that they were making these vows and oaths after they slaughtered it because they laid hands on it. And I imagine a wild boar is a hell of a thing to lay a hand on. So I bet they they killed the little thing first, the big old thing actually. And then, you know, did this, this ritual with it. Um, Yeah. Their belief system was that this is, again, similar to and like a time when the veil is really thin. There's like spirits abound. Um, death is around every tree, peeking around, trying to find you. It's, it's just the blackest, most um, treacherous time of year for these folks. So along with this uh, Yuletide uh, festivity of eating the boar and laying on the hands of a live or a dead boar, um, uh, they were very into Odin, right? And so Odin was also connected to the boar. And so it was understood to be a representation of Odin. Odin is so ancient that 
they're like, I'm going to give them they pronouns because I believe that they're trans. Um, they came to represent everything, almost like Hecate, like, oh, death and birth and life and also trees and also oceans and also babies and also boars and, you know, just like kind of everything. Right. And Odin was said to lead the great hunt. So this this began as rumors within um, these uh, Indo-European cultures that this um, group of riders, like dark riders on black horses, all veiled in black, almost like ring wraiths, it seems like from Lord of the Rings, would ride at night. <laughs> and so over time, they decided uh, that it was Odin that was leading them. And Odin is the uh, the leader of the hunt, the All-Father, and he rode on an eight-legged horse. Mm -hmm. Sick. Yeah, I know. What's not clear to me in my research is what they were doing. Were they like joy riding? Are they there for souls? I don't really know. But I but I did find that Odin would be um, more kind and um, more stoked if when he found you in the in the hunt, you would uh, you had kept your oaths that year and you had um, praised him and left offerings. Right. So he'd be good to you. He'd leave you some presents. Right. So that is part of Santa. Kind of, kind of. So that's part of it. The Santa and the reindeer bit, that that is that is going back to Odin and the Great Hunt. We have Saint Nicholas, who was a real and actual person uh, from Anatolia. This is happening around the same time. So these faiths intersected, right? Because pagan belief and Christian belief, they wove together. Christians and, uh, you know, they they took a lot of pagan rituals. Mostly they did, right? And they transformed them. Um, the, the God that they were praying to at the beginning of Yuletide was Frey. That became St. Stephen. Um, St. Nicholas was just like, a very saintly person who gave away gifts. So that that feature represents that in Santa Claus, and then the uh, the reindeer over time, you know, that became part of it. You know what I mean? So they they kind of wove together; those faiths clashed mm -hmm. together. And the same with the Christmas tree. So not so pagan, like that seems to have more Christian roots. Though Norse people did um, believe that the tree was sacred and a representation of all life and Odin and the tree are connected, right? And mm -hmm. they would put the tree in the center of the, um, the village and they would dance around it during Yule. So that also has uh, roots. My understanding is that a lot of pagans are like, no, all of this is ours. <laughs> but the research I found is that it's this woven tapestry of Christianity and pagan belief. Mm. And for those who aren't sure why Odin is connected to the tree, there is a story that the the place that we get the runic alphabet from is from Odin hanging, I think it was for like a week, hanging upside down from Yggdrasil, which is essentially the tree of life. And I am really paraphrasing this story. So, you know, don't go writing an essay about it. But as he was hanging upside down, he discovered the runes and brought them back to the people so that's the connection there mm -hmm. and I mean also trees are you look at a placenta and it's the shape of a tree humans have always identified trees as being a symbol of life yeah yeah the other little bit that I found that I really liked was the yule goat so the yule goat <laughs> <laughs> is a is a nordic um a nordic uh folklore and it's related to Thor and the Yule Goat yeah he walked around and gave people gifts and shit 
<laughs> so I think that also worked its way. I that's that's what I found. You'll go gave away gifts and shit. That's my <laughs> that was what I found. Like yeah. like the goat was the goat walking around on two legs was yes. the goat just a regular okay so he's I, like a goat person I th- I think that's what I imagined in my head but okay. I think I need to do more research about that part but um yeah <laughs> uh, uh I like cool that you were, that's you were so curious. weird I like that what you wanted to know was how many legs he was using to give away the goats <laughs> the gifts like is he on well, all I was like, is it an is it an animal goat or like a goat who can talk? Is it Black Philip? Is he giving away butter? <laughs> I want to live deliciously. You will go. You can come by my house anytime you'd like to. <laughs> uh, cool. It sounds like Christmas in general and like, I don't know, this whole time of year, you know, there are so many different cultures with different holidays and we know that th- themes are repeated throughout many religions. So it feels like this time of year really is a quilt of experiences, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. It's definitely a quilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting that Yule is so much about, you know, creating and bringing the light to community and that it's 10 days long because it reminds me a lot of Hanukkah, mm-hmm. you know, with what is it? Eight days of light. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is probably a good time to talk about the fact that, you know, holiday times are really emotionally stressful and especially around food that comes up for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just want to make a note that it's totally reasonable to struggle with this time of year, especially, oh my gosh, if you're a witch and you're in the broom closet, or if you are just struggling because of any difference in belief, including like politics, and you're around a bunch of people who you care about, who you disagree with, this is a tough time. And looking into the history of the holiday and learning about the roots and really figuring out what resonates with you is a great way to reframe the stress into something more productive and affirming in who we are. Yeah, I I really agree with that. And Yule is the first holiday in the Wheel of the Year that I started celebrating before Uh, maybe about a year before I learned even about the wheel of the year, particularly because of what you're talking about. Like every Mm -hmm. holiday season had a few components, right? One Mm -hmm. financial stress, right? (laughs) Just huge financial stress. It's the end of the year, um, not working a lot, not earning a lot, feeling obligated to buy a bunch of people stuff, you know, not because I felt motivated to out of love, but because oh, well, you know, my one cousin or whatever is going to send me something and I don't want to be an asshole, so I should probably Mm -hmm. go to the mall. You know, it just became this big hassle. And then every year I would go spend time with with family that I don't see any other time of the year and Mm -hmm. I'm not very connected to. And I would go home feeling really um, alone and Mm -hmm. broke and depleted. So 
I think it was about five years ago, I set a boundary and I said, no, I'm not going to this extended family holiday. I'm not going to do it. Um, this doesn't serve me. I know that <laughs> uh, that's not a popular choice and everyone's going to talk shit about me and I can't do anything about that. I'm going to stay home. And instead, um, I had a couple of friends come over and we did um, a darkest night ritual and it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Ryan, who I haven't seen not once <laughs> this year because of COVID, um, lovely writer and thinker and human and very into um, Norse mythology and he brought over just a big old thing of tea lights and I sat around with him and a couple other close friends and we lit a candle for um, different people in our lives that had been lights to us in the dark. And we talked Mm. about our experience of them to sort of call them back. And that was so much more meaningful to me. And I have not since been to another obligatory consumer driven, uh, you know, family gathering that left me feeling depleted instead of nourished. And Mm. now I'm starting to get excited about this time of year again, because now my body knows and my heart knows like, oh, this is the time for rest and repair and rejuvenation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really need this. Yeah. Reframes are just such an amazing tool. Mm -hmm. And I love that you created your own structure for holidays. I also like, I want to remind folks that getting support, especially around this time of year is so necessary for so many of us. I know that I wouldn't be able to have the kind of mental health I have right now without my therapist over the course of COVID because I started seeing them literally right before everything shut down. So in a moment, you're going to hear our BetterHelp ad, and there is a discount associated with that. So if money is tight, know that you can get discounted support from a licensed therapist. You can get support around stuff like eating, you know, like political struggle with your family, around setting boundaries, like if you don't want to go to these family gatherings, or maybe you just want to go for an hour and you can expect that everyone's going to complain. Whatever the issue is, you can get help. So go ahead and take a listen if you haven't heard the ad yet, because we love you and we want you to be supported. I was really excited. This was actually the very first sponsor that you and I reached out to Mm -hmm. because we really wanted to build relationships with actual therapeutic tools into the podcast. One of the biggest struggles I have as a therapist is just wrestling with the inaccessibility of mental health treatment. So because BetterHelp can do therapy from their home and do it remotely, that means that people, you know, they don't have to go anywhere, which can actually be a thing. Like if you don't have a car access, getting to a clinic can actually be difficult. Mm -hmm. So just the convenience of being able to be at home, I think is really important. And then that increases the possibility that people will actually utilize therapy. Yeah. I know that it has felt like a significantly lessened burden for me to be able to do therapy from home just on my phone. And I really hope that the world just gets more comfortable with virtual therapy in general because of where we're at in the world. I agree. And I think it's important that mental health consumers 
have the ability to have a say in who their provider is. As a therapist, I definitely, you know, I meet a new client and I'm like, well, you know, I don't think we're a good fit. So can I help you find someone who is? Or they tell me I'm not a good fit and that's fine. I think we really need to normalize that. And with BetterHelp, you can change anytime and choose a different provider if they're not a good fit for you. Because likely, you know, you're, you might need to try on, you know, a few different kinds of providers before you find the one that's right for you. Having therapists who are capable of helping me with my specific needs and to say that they offer that worldwide is really cool to me Mm -hmm. really like the BetterHelp has financial aid available for people this is a long-term therapeutic process so this isn't a crisis line it's different than that it is not a self-help line it's different than that so it's a therapeutic relationship that needs to build consistently so that's what you can get And because BetterHelp is partnering with us, you can go to betterhelp.com slash pocket coven and you can actually get 10% off of your first month. If within that time you decide you don't like your therapist, you can, as Amber said, just easily switch to a different one. It's super accessible and it's betterhelp.com slash pocket pocket coven that will get you 10% off it'll get us just a little bit of a kickback so it's a great way to support the podcast and your well-being at the same time now that we have uh, shared our better help ad with the community we would love to talk about some ways that you can observe this holiday so you know yule has continued since whenever the hell it started a very long time ago. I did not find the year. <laughs> Since the beginning, there was Yule. <laughs> and um, currently Wiccans, Neo-Pagans, witches, all sorts of folks um, celebrate Yule and have you know current traditions around that. So we'd love to share some of them with you and mm-hmm. you know support you in um, making this the kind of time of year you need it to be, not the time of year you're told it's supposed to be. Hell yeah. Yeah. So there's um, decorating your home with plants, right? Bringing life into Mm -hmm. your house. So um, you can do the tree thing. That's fine. You could also get a nice shrub, you know, that will last you Mm -hmm. past um, Yule and be something that you can continue to grow and to cut and nourish. Um, candle magic is really great here, right? I mean, the symbolism of the light and the dark is very important. It is integral to this holiday. I would suggest on every night of Yule for the, for the 10 days of Yule from the 21st to the first, um, lighting a candle every night and maybe writing down something that you want to leave to the night. So, this mm-hmm. is a wonderful threshold holiday. It's midwinter. It's the, you know, the darkest point um, for you to just burn a little piece of paper safely in a little altar bowl, right? Every night would be a very easy and fairly quick um, way to celebrate the holiday. You can also, you know, look it up. You can learn about it. Look into the symbols, look into the history, the pagan roots. Um, you can, I mean, like really meditate on what our ancestors did during this time of year. They survived really, really harsh conditions, far more harsh than most of us are facing. I mean, incredible. We are also facing harsh conditions in a different way. 
we are part of a lineage of people who know how to survive. That's why you're here. If that yeah. weren't true, you wouldn't be here. So what could you connect to and how could you connect to them during this time of year? You know, one of my favorite holiday, I mean, like, you know, Christmas time, mm-hmm. Yule time things that I've done is actually a uh, shout out to our dear friend Morgan in Iceland. <clears throat> it's an Icelandic Yule <laughs> the Icelandic Yule book flood which I couldn't tell you how to pronounce it um and I'm I would try for comedic effect but I feel like it's disrespectful it's a lot of letters with a lot of accents but essentially the idea is that the night before your holiday you all swap books and chocolate with each other And then you spend the night eating chocolate and reading in bed. And I did do that for Yule. I think it was last year. It may have been the year before. It's hard to remember. Time has dilated in COVID. (laughs) But I really like that because you can do it with books you already own. It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, And it's a fun way to trade a really cozy activity, you know, around this time of year, one of the things I do for my mental health practice is I really bring in that Danish uh, principle of Hygge, which is H-Y-G-G-E. So Hygge is one of those words that doesn't have an exact translation, but it basically means that sense of coziness that you get from like It's cold outside, you're sitting in front of a fire in like a soft sweater and you're drinking a hot cocoa and maybe you're like hanging out with your dog or someone you love and you're just so content. It's that feeling. And there are so many books on Hygge. So you can learn about how to manifest this in your own home, but actually like plants and candles and baked goods are all really central to this idea focusing on creating a beautiful indoor space, even with really simple elements like little tea lights is such a nice way to work with that instinct. We have to fight the darkness that's outside because humans are afraid of dark for a reason. We are primal beasts underneath all of our like perfume and designer jeans, you know, Or in my case, thrifted jeans. (laughs) So bringing some light in. I also always recommend uh, getting yourself a full spectrum light bulb if you have a desk at home. And just having that nice sunshine on your face during the day, but not having it at night. Work with the season, you know. Mm, That's lovely. That's very lovely. And um and also an altar, right? Every every uh, holiday in the Wheel of the Year asks for an altar. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. it's really helpful to be able to have a space where you are interacting with concepts and with themes and feelings and, and thoughts. And, you know, when, when we're working with... Um, when we're working with the wheel of the year, having a concrete way to do that is great. An altar is concrete and fairly accessible. The things that can go on your altar, a lot of, you know, what Callie just mentioned, some tea lights, an offering of bread. I also like the idea of pictures. Um, calling in ancestors at this time feels prudent. Also, 
anything that calls to you that feels like it would be restorative in the dark, that feels like it would be a light to you when it is very black. Mm-hmm. And like all things with magic, you know, your altar doesn't have to be some beautiful hand carved rare wood shelf or anything. It can be a corner of your dining room table. It can be a windowsill. It can be a shelf in your closet. It can be wherever you want it to be. And it doesn't really require anything except your intention. So if for you, you don't have any magical objects and you don't have a budget for magical objects, you probably have a pen and paper and you can write something out or you can draw something. You can also print pictures off of the internet. I did that when I made my little Hecate um, shrine. And making things from your own hands often has so much more meaning anyway. So don't feel like you could possibly do it wrong because you can't. As long as it feels like a representation of your intention, then you have done it right. Absolutely. I love that you that you said that. That reminds me of um, nature altar building. So yeah. yeah, that is even more accessible, hopefully, you know, if you have access to any kind of natural area, uh, an area that has trees or water or rocks going for a walk and grabbing some rocks and then um, building a little circle, a mandala, um, a little sculpture out in nature and letting that be a temporary altar. That is a perfectly wonderful practice. And I love to do that all the time. I have a Mm -hmm. client who doesn't have space in her home, literally for any sort of altar. She has a box that she puts some objects in and then we'll go out into nature and she'll build a little temporary altar and do some work with her cards and then box it back up and take it back home, which is Mm -hmm. a little mobile altar. And I'm very into worship in the natural world. That's what the Druids did. They did not particularly like to worship in buildings. So the Druids, um, and, uh, and the Celts, they always worshipped at like a cliff or a seaside or in the forest, right? They were of the earth and believed that that was integral to their practice. So, you know, if you don't have a big fancy altar, that's cool. Can you find a tree? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that might be um, even better sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like whenever I'm at a place with like a sandy beach I like to draw sigils in the sand Mm -hmm. so that they can be washed away because sigils are charged by being destroyed you know Mm -hmm. um and also a really accessible beautiful thing to do this time of year and around any holiday is you know think of the ancestors you want to connect with whether it's like your grandmother who has passed or who is alive of course or further back and either you can take family recipes or recipes from the heritage of your bloodline and you can make that part of your holiday meal you know honoring ancestors through food is in my opinion the easiest way and food is something every single one of our ancestors has shared in with family and community so it's an incredibly powerful tool and it engages so many senses You know, you can also call out the ingredients as you add them into your stock pot because the trope of the witch, you know, putting like eye of newt or (laughs) 
whatever magical purpose into a pot, like you can tell your ingredients what to do and really infuse your cooking with magic. I think that's such a fun and easy way to practice. I mean, I didn't even know that I was honoring my ancestors by eating every kind of potato I could get my hands on (laughs) my whole life. But apparently (laughs) this potato loving bitch has been (laughs) worshiping her ancestors for a long time. Just potatoes and bread. That's really all I'm interested in. Um, You can put some cheese on that and we're good pretty much. So, yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, so often you end up looking into, you know, your bloodline and you find out that the foods you're most drawn to are really traditional Doritos (laughs) my ancient ancestors loved cool ranch Doritos (laughs) they were so zesty you know um I feel like we absolutely need to make probably one of the next episodes about DIY witching because as we were talking about altar building, I was thinking of, you know, the fact that magical items can feel so cost prohibitive. And right now, a lot of people have so much in the negative, you know, there's no money to pay rent, but there are so many things that we can do for free that we can make ourselves. So I think I'd like to talk about that in a coming episode. So if you are excited about that, stay tuned because, oh, do I have tips. That's a great idea. It's not like these holidays, you know, looking at the wheel of the year. When they were created, it wasn't because someone went to a a cool store and got some cool shit. Like that's not why they started these traditions. They started them because they had nothing because they needed something to hold on to because conditions were awful. You know, it makes so much sense to me, especially right now that people would be connecting with spiritual practice and with these traditions, because these are the kind of circumstances they come out of plague times, dark times, famines, stuff like that. <laughs> Nobody was thriving and goes, you know what? Let's create a whole, let's create a whole Samhain holiday. Yeah. Cause we're doing so good. Let's explore the darkness. No, that's not what happened. They were in the darkness and needed to make sense of it. So yeah, let's do a DIY witch episode. That's a great idea. Yeah. I feel like that's a good early 2021. Like let's get you started on the right foot kind of episode. You know, we are coming into, let's Gosh, our third month of the podcast. Wow, we're in our second trimester. (laughs) It feels like we've always had it. Mm -hmm. And it also feels so new still, you know. Yeah. I'm a really proud mama with this little audio baby for sure. Mm -hmm. We just continue to express to each other and hopefully enough to you all how much your listenership and support mean to us. Um, I know that we're rounding out the year with just an intense sense of gratitude that this thing we love doing so much that we've basically been doing in private together, you know, for years before we started recording it, that it can be so warmly received and celebrated. It means so much. Yeah. Same. So much gratitude. I, I really can't express enough how um, important and vital and helpful it has been 
to have a creative outlet that I can do from home Mm -hmm. uh, fairly increasingly quickly as I learn editing. And um, it doesn't expose me to risk or disease. And it doesn't really exhaust me or tax me in the way that some of my prior creative projects did. So thank you for being part of this. And I can't wait to make new episodes. I am such a ham. I fucking love New Year's. People are like, hate New Year's. You know, I really like it. (laughs) I like a clean slate. And I love to leave things behind. It's one of my it's one of my signature moves. So (laughs) I love to leave a thing behind and start something new. I think it would be wonderful if y'all could send us a message on Instagram, um, particularly, and ask us if you have um, any questions or if you have any suggestions for content, like what would you like to hear about? That would be really fun for us to receive while we're planning for 2021. Yes. And you can send those to Pocket Coven Podcast on Instagram. You can just send us a DM. Or if you're a patron, you can message us that way. And speaking of patrons, I just want to say a quick thank you to our five most recent patrons. Someone named Floor, F-L-O-O-R. Cool name. Hope I said it right. Uh, (laughs) We've also got Nate, Melanie, Michelle, and Aaron. And if I have not given you a shout out yet, I think that I've repeated a few people, but please let me know because we love you and we want to put your name on this podcast because it's just like a sigil. It charges it, you know? (laughs) Totally. Yes. Well, if you would like some bonus content, we're going to be talking about mental health practices for the holidays over on Patreon at the witch level and above. So, Go ahead and head over there if you want to check it out. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That would be really helpful. And if you would like the bonus content, you can subscribe to Patreon. Thank you so much. We look forward to reading those reviews, wink, wink, and wish you the warmest, coziest, most delicious, blood-fueled Yule. (laughs) 